0: Well, morning everybody. How are we doing so far today? Good? Good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. It's good to see your faces. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and grab them right now or electronic devices. We are going to be in Genesis, the very, very first book of the Bible, chapter 39. That's where we'll be as you're opening up there. Last week, we began a study looking into the life of a guy named Joseph. And we're looking at this Uh, because of a few reasons. First of all, it's a great story of the Bible. It is such a great story, isn't it? If you think that the Bible is boring, I challenge you to read the story of Joseph and take that into consideration. The Bible is not boring. This is an amazing story. But not only is it an amazing story of the Bible, this is a story about transitions. And for us, there is a guarantee that transitions will happen in our life. There are all kinds of transitions we go through in life, right? There are milestone transitions that we like to think about, uh, you know, moving, going into high school, right? Maybe moving into college or, or transitioning into getting that very first job or finally getting out of the house and being independent, getting married, you know, buying a house, getting a house of our own. But there are also transitions for a lot of us that we don't really choose that, that we have to go through, right? My body's, my body's going through a transition right now. Like I, I want to believe I can still eat the food I did 20 years ago and there's no consequences and it's like a bummer because that's like not true. So there's transitions we don't want to go through, right? And that's kind of funny, but, but we get these other side of life transitions too where it's painful, right? He left you and that's a transition. You got a call from the doctor or you got bad news, things like that, and we ask, where's God in this? What do we do with God when stuff like this happens. And we're in the story of Joseph because we're gonna see, and we've already seen in his life that he goes through these transitions too. It's a unique story because we get to see this guy's whole life before us and we see despair with Joseph. We see success with Joseph. We're gonna see all this stuff in between and we're simply asking the question, what does someone do in a situation if they knew God was with them? And that's a question that we should be asking ourselves. What is it that I do? God, how do I respond if I know for sure that you're there in the circumstance I'm in? So last week, we started with a doozy for Joseph. But he kind of got in that a little bit because of his mouth, but also because of his brothers too. And today, we're going to see Joseph in a situation here that he couldn't help. It had nothing to do with him really. Joseph today is going to have to deal with temptation in the most in-your-face opportunistic a way. And again, the question is, what does somebody do when they know God is with them? So today, that's in the face of temptation. Now, I want to give you a disclaimer right now. Uh, We are going to be talking about adult situations, okay? We're going to be talking about intimate relations, and it's going to get a little graphic. Nothing. I'm just giving a warning. I've learned my lesson from emails in the past. I'm going to say the word sex a little bit today, okay? So I'm giving you a warning, all right? If you are in here and you're sensitive to that, or if you have kids in here, now's your time to maybe make a decision with earmuffs, or you maybe want to take them out, you know? And I'm okay with that, because that's what we're, we're going to be talking about. This is adult stuff, but we we need to be adults about this today okay Um, so I just want to let you know that okay and if you do have a kid here and you're a River Ridger man I really hope that you consider getting your kids in those environments that we create for them we work so hard to make those environments great for your kids to learn about God in the best kid situations possible so I hope that you take advantage of what we work hard on there there are great things uh, for your kids in there and I'm really saying this disclaimer though for those of you who are new if you're new here uh, you're still trying to figure out uh, the rhythm of River Ridge and you have your kids in here first of all we are we are so glad you're here. We are so glad that you have your kids here. I just want to give you a heads up. We're going to be, you know, if you don't want to be talking about this with your kid today, I'm just giving you a heads up, okay? So we're going to be talking about that today. So now that everybody's perked up a little bit, uh, it's not even that bad. I just learned my lesson. I'm just telling you. Uh, so let's get going. Let's go. All right. We started out last week with the Joseph, right? 17 years old. He's a 17-year-old kid. We find out he's the favorite uh, of, of all of his other brothers, right? But we also see that he's called by God with these dreams. He's called by God in these visions. There's a unique thing, amazing gift from God with these dreams. We also learn pretty quickly, not only is he dad's favorite, Jacob's favorite, uh, with his other 11 brothers, but he's a little spoiled, right? And he's a rat. He's a tattletale, right? He's a snitch. And so uh, not a lot of great functioning things going on with him and his brothers, right? So one day his dad uh, sends him out there uh, to check up on his brothers because he doesn't have to work, I guess, add a little more animosity to that. So they see him coming. They see Joseph coming, and their brothers go, hey, let's kill him. So a little bit more than a little animosity going on right now, right? They want to kill him. So, but then big brother steps in, Reuben, and he goes, well, let's not kill him. Uh, let's put him in a pit over here. After all, he is our brother. Like that's where Reuben lands. And, and so they throw him in the pit. They actually strip him off of his clothes. They throw him in this pit. Then uh, there's this uh, traveling salesman coming on his way to Egypt. And we see that they decide to sell Joseph to the trader as a slave. They sell their brother into slavery. It's crazy to think about that this actually happened. And so we ended last week with Joseph on his way to Egypt, and he's bought by a guy named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is a huge deal in Egypt. He is actually a general of Pharaoh's army, the number one guy over there in Egypt. And so this is who has him. So let's pick up the story here in Genesis 39. Hopefully you found your way there. We got it up on the screen if you want. Here's let's go in verse one. It says... Now, Joseph had been brought out down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Now, listen to this. The Lord was with Joseph. That's where we ended last week, if you were here. See, this right here, for a lot of us, by the way, this doesn't line up with how many of us believe it should go if you're a Christian or if you're one of God's guys. I'm just saying that, that God is with him. See, because I mean, I don't envision being stripped, humiliated, rejected, and sold by my brothers as the Lord being with me. I don't know about you. Because when I picture the Lord being with him, with Joseph, here's what I picture. What I picture is right before the brothers went to strip him of his clothes, like a thunderbolt comes down and strikes two of them and kills them just so they know God means business. And then you hear like the biggest Morgan Freeman God voice ever that just says, step off, right? That's God being with Joseph, right? And and they freak out and he's totally safe. That's God being with Joseph. But the Bible says, it says God's with him. He's a slave, God's with him. He's in a foreign land where he doesn't know any of the language, but God is with him. He doesn't know anybody, but God is with him. He's far away from everything he knows, but says the Lord was with him. And maybe, gang, maybe we just get a little bit of traction with God and circumstances that maybe God doesn't keep you away from all the bad things, But that, listen, he will work in you and through you in the midst of them. That's kind of where we landed last week. So the Lord was with Joseph, right? Now, a lot of time goes by. In fact, 10 years go by. So we're not talking about 17-year-old Joseph anymore. He's a man. He's a man, and he's working in Potiphar's house. We learn that Potiphar, this general, he notices Joseph during this time, that whatever Joseph does, he succeeds in. And so Potiphar, even though he doesn't believe in this God of Joseph, he sees the favor that God has on Joseph, that everything that Joseph touches is going good. And and Potiphar is not a dummy. So he's like, I'm going to bribe this favor thing as much as I can. So he puts Joseph in charge of everything that he owns. All of his entire estate, he puts in charge of everything. And here's why. Here's why. See, Joseph, right here, he did... Everything within his power to be someone who's confident that God is with him in every situation. And Potiphar noticed. And gang, here's a principle that we really need to catch. Catch this. See, when we start to respond to every situation as if God is right there, it's conspicuous. Like people notice it. Not when things are easy, but when things are tough, when transitions aren't so easy. People notice. So, Joseph here, he's in control of everything. All the Potiphar's estate. Potiphar's stuff's getting blessed left and right. And, and Joseph remains faithful to God. Seems like things are getting better for Joseph. He's in a really great position. So, let's see what happens. Now, a lot of you know this story. This is a famous story of the Bible. So, let's pick this story up here in the middle of verse 6. All right, let's go. It says, now, Joseph was a handsome in form and appearance. And after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, "Lie with me." All right. So Joseph here, he's a catch, right? He's tall, dark and handsome. And I mean, it's hard for us guys who have that trifecta. It's hard. For, I'm not a piece of meat gang, okay? It's tough. But he catches the eye says the Potiphar's wife, "Now we don't know a whole lot about her. We just know that, that she's a wife. We don't know how many wives he has. We don't know if she's young and pretty. We don't know if she's a cougar. We do not know much about this woman, but she likey what she sees. That's what we know, Right? Now, this phrase, we got to catch this. This phrase, lie with me, I studied this a little bit uh, in the Hebrew. Now, here's the thing. Our English translation for this phrase right here does not do this justice at all. See, in the Hebrew, uh, this lie with me is an imperative. And so it's actually not saying lie with me. Here's what it sounds like, just so you know. She goes, you, sex, now. Imagine this. This is what it's like. This is what position he's in. That's what that sounds like. That's what happened then. It was that aggressive. It was that powerful of a saying. Now, here's the thing, and why I wanted to say that was because, gang, when we're talking about temptations, this is definitely a temptation in in the physical nature, but we're talking more about other things. Like, right here for her, this was a temptation of power, wasn't it? I mean, look at where she was. Look at the position that she had. She could get anything that she wanted. She was tempted by this insatiable power to get whatever she wanted. It's not just the seduction of the physical. It's the seduction of power. And here's the thing that I want us to catch. See, Joseph, see, he had power too. Yeah, he was a slave, But man, he had an incredible amount of power. He was an attendant of Potiphar. And the word attendant was not in a position. He was like almost right next to Potiphar in everything. He was on the society list now. This is where he was, even though he was a slave. So he had this power too. So we see how she uses it, right? Lie with me. And let's see what he does with this power. Because here's the deal, gang. He's in a culture right now where they have no idea about the God that he serves and loves. They don't know what he knows he should do and what he shouldn't do. So, you know, how easy would it be? No one would even blink. And in fact, this is probably common for slaves to do this. So how easy would this be? And and hey, you know, maybe I have a little power, but you know what? I'm not really reaping all these great things anyways. I mean, Potiphar's getting all the good stuff. I mean, it's Potiphar's house who's getting blessed, not mine, I'm a slave. So let's see what happens. And guys right here, listen, listen. This is where it creeps in, right here. This is where temptation enters into life. This is where you see if no one's looking, it is. Where you say, hey God, you know, this stuff's not really going so hot right now in my life. What Joseph could have done was say, you know, I'm still a slave. I'm still property of someone, right? Why remain faithful? Let's see what he says. Verse eight, but he refused and said no to his master's wife. Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph, day, catch this, day after day, he would not listen to her and lie beside her or be with her. All right. Three simple, simple, simple reasons why Joseph says no. Three reasons. It's really simple. He was loyal to his boss. He was loyal to his God, and he called it what it is. Did you notice that? He called it what it was, right? He didn't call it a fling or just having fun or he didn't do any of that. He said, it's wickedness. It's a sin. And gang, right here for us Christians, I just want, us to, I want to take a time out here for a second and talk about this. You know, I think sometimes we get desensitized to what things actually are because we, we repackage it with a name and then we kind of just get blinded to what it really is. And it's just easier to say or digest. It's like, you know, uh, when you mash up cauliflower and call it mashed potatoes. You ain't fooling anybody. I'm just saying. Can't do it. Like Courtney did that one time. Now, she did tell me it was cauliflower. I'm just saying. But, and she said, you know, we were eating it. And she said, well, how is it? And I said, it tastes like cauliflower. I mean, I, you know, I like it, but it does, it's not delicious, fluffy, white potatoes. I'm just saying. Can't repackage it. It is what it is. Yeah, here, this is so important. This is funny, but this is so important. Christian, listen. What if we just call sin, sin? I tell you, we'd avoid a lot of problems. I tell you. So Joseph, he probably wasn't in deep thought about this. I'm just saying. He knew he belonged to God. He knew what that should mean. So his conclusion is, if you're taking notes, this is really complicated. Write this down. When you belong to God, you don't sleep with your boss's wife, okay? That's what he's, that's it, right? It's real simple. He's on the keep it simple plan with God. But gang, I want you to catch this. Do you know why? Because he wanted to stay in God's favor. He wanted to stay in this relationship that he loved with his Lord. He was settled on it, he knew. And I wanna hit pause here on this story because I, you know, and it is a pause, it's kind of a thinking moment here um, in this story because it's really important to see the heart behind this. And parents, listen parents, you need to have an answer for your kids on this stuff. And single people, I want you to have an answer too. Because here's a question that, that not only people are asking out there in our world, in here, people are asking this question too. And here it is. This is it. Why? Why is sex outside of marriage wrong? That's the question. Like, why is it so bad? I mean, we probably all agree, like, in this situation, yes, she's married and uh, he's not to her, so that we would all agree, yeah, that's not right, that's, that's wrong. But what's the big deal if both of us are okay with it, neither one of us are married, is that, why is that a sin? Why is that wrong? Is God just a killjoy? Or does he just want us to be rule followers and, and that's what it is? Well, no, 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 that's not why. I want us to look at this really, really quickly because it's important to see this. And I'm telling you, parents, it's important to have an answer. You gotta have the why behind the what, I'm telling you. Okay, so listen, let's jump to another place here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. If you have, let's jump there really quick. 1 Corinthians 6. And he's gonna, the Bible's gonna help us a little bit on the why, 1 Corinthians 6, we're gonna read here in verse 16. Listen to what he says. He says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, listen, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin, catch this, a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So here's the thing. And and man, I know what we got going on in the room, but I just wanna give you God's reason, okay? I wanna talk about this for a second. Here's what he's saying. See, he's not talking about adultery here. He's talking more about here's two people who are okay with it, right? Who aren't married to each other and he's still saying right here, it's harmful. It's wrong. Now why? Why? See, he tells us. Because God designed sex to create oneness with two people. Did you catch that? He designed it to create oneness with two people. This is really important. I want you to catch this. By saying it this way, And by understanding God's design, see, instead of sex being devalued, if you look at it this way, it's actually designed, gang, by God to be one of the most intimate gifts in a marriage. Because that phrase, the two will become one flesh, means that this act isn't just physical. And I realize some of you don't see it that way, but I'm just trying to say this is what God is saying, and he made it, he designed it. He's telling us, this is, this is what it's saying to another person when you, when you engage in this activity. He's telling us that sex is saying to another person, I completely give myself over to you. My properties are your properties. And we become one. That's what it's saying. See, it's more than a physical thing. It's emotional. It's, it's exclusive. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. So, gang, you know, I think a lot of times we grow up as kids, you know, learn it's bad, it's bad, it's wrong. There's nothing bad about it. God made this to be good. He made it to bless. He made this to bless, and all he's telling us is when you've given up all of you to someone else, when everything's given over, when two become one, then you give your body to the other. That's when you do it, because it brings trust and intimacy and oneness to the marriage, to the agreement, to the covenant forever. But, Here's the other side. If you're not prepared to give your whole life, then don't give your body. And when you separate this out, see, this is what we do. When you separate this out, you won't see that this is meant for greater intimacy in your life. That's what God is saying. This is what he's getting at. See, this is not about rules. This is not about being a killjoy. He has a why, and it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things he created for marriage. Now, I know some of you still thinking, that doing this outside of marriage is okay and it's not wrong and both people are okay with it, what's the problem? And I get it. Listen, I know this is completely against the grain of culture. I get it. I'm just laying out why God says it. I don't want to just say the what. I want to say why, and I want you to think about it. That's all I'm saying. Just think about it. I came across a pastor, uh, his name's Tim Keller, Uh, he's really smart, and and he was talking about this issue, and I want to talk about what he said, because here's what he said, I found it very interesting about this. He said, people come up to me a lot and say, why can't we just celebrate what all religions have in common? And he said, well, okay, here's one of them. This is one of them. And, and it's really funny how he said, There are not a lot of things that all the major religions of the world agree on. And this is one that you should never have sex outside of whole life commitment. Just think about it. And people, they yet still say, Well, that's ridiculous. I just found that very interesting from him. Give us some weight, give us some thought, guys. I mean, what if this is true? That it is more about your whole being and not just physical. Okay, back to Joseph. All right, cougar pounces. He says no. He says no again and again. I don't want to do it. It's a sin. She's relentless. He keeps saying no. Tough situation, right? I mean, he can't go anywhere. He can't find a new job. He's a slave. He can't just say, I quit. Like, he can't do that. So this is a really tough situation. So let's see what happens. He stays strong in his faith. He stays strong in his integrity. Let's go verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house. And by the way, this is a scene change. This is Jaws music. Do you see it? It's like nobody's around. It's like da da, 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 okay. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Now, this is a great scene, isn't it? I mean, you know what happened, right? He's running and he ain't got no clothes. I'm just like, I just think this is a funny scene. He pieces out. He's like, I'm out. Like, he didn't even stop to pick anything up and he's looking for the closest camel to hide behind right now. Like, this is great. He didn't stop to think. He's just like, I'm out of here, man. And man, Joseph, like, get a belt. Like, this is a second time. This is the second time. Like, we already saw his brothers took his clothes off. He needs some wardrobe thought here. I'm just telling you. Now it happened again. I'm like, he needs to understand some knots. Like, he can tie some knots, bro. Like, I'm just saying. So I just think that's a funny scene. All right, so verse 13. See, this isn't boring great story. Verse 13, and as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. So, all right. She's rejected time and time again. Now she's mad. She's embarrassed. She didn't get what she wanted. So what she do? She falsely accuses him of trying to assault her. And then she weaves this story in that convinces everybody in the house that this Hebrew, this, this guy's making a mocking thing out of us. Potiphar comes home. She tells him the same story. Verse 19 As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. All right. Potiphar Heaters gets angry, rightly so. But I want to notice something no death. Do you notice this? Think about the situation. Think about who he is. Think about how easy this is. Honestly, it's probably very common that this this is a death situation. No death. I just found that interesting. Just kind of curious as to why. Maybe maybe he wasn't all the way sure about his wife. Maybe he knew his wife a little bit better than what we think. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he really trusted Joseph a little more than we think too. We don't know. But maybe it's something else. Let's read verse 21 and see if it's something else. Listen. But... The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. It's the same story, it's crazy. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And here's the same line, God was with Joseph joseph and again gang it's key to the whole story this line god was with him is the key to the whole thing the question of what someone would do if they knew god was with him joseph keeps answering time and time again here see gang i want you to catch something joseph doesn't blame right he doesn't ditch his integrity or his character does he he doesn't run away He doesn't throw everything away. He doesn't try to change. He doesn't try to get out of it. Because Joseph knows by doing that, all that's going to do, gang, listen, is going to complicate the problem. That's all he knows. And so he, and and here's the thing. He, here's where I think we are. He had these theological questions. I guarantee it. He had these big old questions like, was God causing this? I don't know. He had them. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't. I don't think he did. He had them, though. But he simply believed, listen, simply believed God was with him, even with these questions. And in the circumstance, he made the best of it. And it says, whatever he did, God succeeded him. But look, in prison. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. He's in prison. It's not a circumstance any of us would wish were. It's not something that he thought, yeah, this is exactly where I will land, right? This is crazy, but he's still saying, oh, I'm gonna do this one thing no matter what. Again, I think about this a little bit and I, and I think about my own life and I think about transitions in my life and, I, and it challenged me to ask this question. You know, what would change if I just made the best of the circumstance I'm in? What would change? It's a tough question to ask, but it's something that he's answering here. So this is where we're leaving Joseph for now. He's in prison. Last week, we didn't leave him in such a good situation. This week, same he's still not out of this muck. And we're going to continue next week, and we're going to see this does not turn out the way that we think it will even next week. So I hope you come back and catch the next chapter of this story. You need to come back and see what happens to Joseph in prison and as someone who knows God is there. So I want to back up here, and I want to look at something, because I think an overarching theme in this chapter is looking at temptation. So I, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about this. Uh, Joseph gives us three tactics and temptation to think about, okay? So if you're a note taker, again, I came through. I got three notes for you, all right? So here's the first one, uh, tactics and temptation. Here's the first one we learned from Joseph. Be on guard even when things are going good. You know, I think when, when things go wrong, right, or we're not in the best relationship with God right now, we know we get vulnerable. Like, we look back, we're like, yeah, I, I know. I was way more vulnerable to temptation because I just wasn't in good shape with God. I wasn't in good shape with my marriage. Like, we know how bad things can be, how weak we can get uh, when we're weak, but we know that. But I want to take a page from Joseph here because do you notice this? See, in the story, his temptation, this invitation happens when he's at the point where he's on top. Did you notice that? He's on top of things. Here's the, here's the thing temptation is just as likely to happen when things are going good as they are when things are going wrong. Because here's, here's what I thought about. This is why. See, when things are going good, we let our guard down a little bit, don't we? When things are going really well, we tend to not have to rely on God as much. We become a little bit more self-sufficient. When things are going good, we often become complacent. And that right there is a recipe for temptation to snake right in isn't it. So, The first tactic is just keep your guard up even when things are good. Don't drop your guard. Two, maximize the penalties, minimize the pleasure. We got to do this. Joseph nails this one, right, in verse 8 and 9, right? When the proposition comes, he did not start out going, well, you know, that would be nice. Uh, Boy, that would feel great. Uh, And I'm so flattered. I'm flattered by you. Thank you so much. He doesn't do any of that. He, right out of the gate, just calls it what it is. He goes, I'm out of here, right? Like he's, he, he, he understands. He immediately looked at what could go wrong and he called it what it is, wickedness and sin. This gang, this right here is wisdom. Here's what wisdom is. See, wisdom takes a long look at how my decision will impact the future. That's wisdom. Because this one's huge. This one's really big right here in temptation. If you can just see the long-term effects of what you're about to do against the immediate pleasure, it will put perspective and wisdom in that time on your side every single time. That's wisdom. So you've got to maximize the penalties, minimize the pleasure. And here's three. The best fight is flight. Joseph took this literally, right? Right? Like, he didn't even stop to get his robe. Like, he was just like, I'm out. Like, he just was like, he was, I just see him running, like, streaking. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, like, the football game streaking kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? They're chasing him. Like, that's what I see. He didn't stop and think. He didn't try to tough it out. He didn't try to gut it out. He just jetted. It was all or nothing for Joseph, gang. This one right here, it's so key. He didn't see how close he could get to the line. He didn't sit there and try to justify hanging out with her longer. We need to do this way more often than we do it, don't we? Just get out, right? And it's not just sexual temptation. It's all temptation, right? Like, it's, we got to take this into consideration with everything. Listen, I'm on a diet. It's not going well. I, yeah, it's not going good. But the other day, here's the deal. Someone wanted a lunch meeting. And he said, you pick. And I thought, you know, I'm on a diet. I'm like, I'll meet you at Graziano's lunch buffet. Uh, you know, because I got salad guys what am I doing to myself what am I you know I know I'm like why I'm not gonna get salad and pass up the pizza and the sausage and whatever those donut things are unbelievable like I am not passing that up I can't do it. what am I doing I should never have started I should have stopped before I even started on that right and if you're here and you work at Graziana's bless you uh (laughs) good but listen this is huge this is huge Listen, this is just Joseph. How he was able to stay faithful and not sin. This is so key because he already made up his mind way before this ever happened. you catch that? I hope you see this. His mind was already made up. Joseph wasn't making decisions on the fly. He wasn't waiting to see what better positioned him. Listen, gang, he wasn't sitting there saying, hey, let me pray about this while she was ripping his clothes off. Nah, that ain't gonna work. He already knew. He made up his mind way before this that he is going to follow God no matter what. And again, just look at his words in verse nine. He's settled. And it's way before this proposition come. I'm telling you, this right here, this is what allows all these other things to happen. This is so key. So here's a question. And we're gonna end here. Here's a question that I want us to ask. I'm telling you, these three things, these three tactics will not come into play. And they won't matter much if we can't answer this question first. And it's this. Have I made my mind up to follow God no matter what. It's a question we gotta ask. Have I made my mind up that I will follow God no matter what? I wanna pray for us this morning, but before I get to, praying. I want to give us two challenges this morning, okay? Uh, If you're writing down, these are two challenges. First one is this. Uh, You know, this week, again, as you're going through life and these transitions that that sometimes we can't help or stop or or just even just normal life stuff, you know, when we go through things like this, you you hear a lot, God be with me, right? Hey, God be with me in this interview. Or God be with us as we travel. God be with me uh, in this marriage, right? And, And I think that's great to ask. But gang, here's what I want to challenge you with. He's with you. He's with you. And it's, it's fine to ask that, but what if, I want you to write this down, what if instead of asking God be with me, we ask, God, how will I be with you today? How will I be with you in this marriage today? How will I be with you, God, in this interview? How will I be with you in this decision? Because, gang, if we can ask that, and even through temptation, God, how will I be with you in this temptation, maybe this can change some actions on your end of things, if we can ask it that way, maybe. Just a challenge. And here's the second challenge I want to go with, and it's that question. I hope you write this down. I want you to spend some time thinking about the question. Have I made up my mind to follow God no matter what? Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We love you. Thank you. For this story of Joseph, thank you that that we get to see that when temptation comes, that we do have an answer for it, that we do have a no that we can say, that it's not about looking inside ourselves even to actually fight this or have the willpower, but it's actually looking to you and know that you are with us, and that can change so many things about the temptations that come. So help us look to you, and not to ourselves, and help us see the change that could come when we just ask the question, hey, I'm gonna follow God no matter what. And thank you also, God, that this story, this story of Joseph, it points us right to Jesus, that this just reminds me of what Jesus did and what he went through, that, that he came down, he had everything going for him, and he came down, and he humbled himself, and he went through temptations, <laughs> He was tempted by Satan. He was tempted to not go to the cross. He was tempted to not do what he did and endure it, but he did, he chose to do it, God, and thank you that we're reminded today through communion that he did choose to do it, and it's because he loved us, that's why, that he loves us so much that he was willing to endure, and he always did the right thing. So help us through that message of salvation that if we believe that that's why Jesus came, that we can actually be saved by you and also endure ourselves when temptation comes. We love you. Thank you. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, gang. We'll see you next week when we continue the story in prison. See ya.